I'm Mary Ambrose, and this is the CG Podcast. This month, we're going to talk about internet security. It's the central security issue of our time because it's central to our lives. Hackers who stole security clearance got away with about 5.6 million fingerprint records. You could have everything from your name and email address to your physical address and telephone numbers. Apple says no to help the FBI unlock data on an iPhone. If you are an eBay customer, you need to reset your password ASAP. Social security identification numbers and other sensitive information stolen in the hacking incident. Biometric data, social security numbers, all this stuff has been compromised. Those with access are beginning to search the data and share it. Government email addresses are among those registered on Ashley Madison. If there was ever a reason to not have an affair, it was when the Ashley Madison website was hacked. Ashley Madison is a site for married people looking for lovers. When it was hacked, thousands of names of cheating spouses were released and many lives ruined. The year before, eBay users found their credit card information stolen. Ouch. It's not always criminals hacking the internet. When the police got a hold of the iPhone of the shooter in San Bernardino, California, the federal government wanted Apple to break the encryption on the phone. Apple refused. The feds cracked it themselves. Edward Snowden told the world that the American government was holding more than tax return information on its citizens. Snowden revealed that the government had an extensive eavesdropping program in monitoring the calls not only of its own citizens, but also heads of other countries. Collecting information is only one of many possible internet crimes. How will we prosecute the criminals? Who will decide the norms of internet behavior? What can you do to protect yourself? How do we keep our lovely new playpen safe? Finn Osler-Hampson and Eric Jardine tackled this subject in their new book, Look Who's Watching, Surveillance, Treachery, and Trust Online. Finn Osler-Hampson is the right guy for this issue because he's the director of the Global Security and Politics Program at CG. Now, it, it's extraordinary to me that the digital world is completely reliant on the ephemeral nature of trust. I asked Finn osler said, what is the larger social risk of us losing trust in the Internet? The Internet has become the hidden wiring of the global economy. Everything we do ultimately is connected to the Internet, whether it's online banking, buying a car, getting a mortgage, going to your automatic bank teller machine. It's all running through the internet. When you use your credit card at a store, it's running through the internet. Well, you call it the command and control of the economy. It is. It's, uh, it's the central wiring of, uh, of today's economy. And it's only going to get more important as we move into uh, the world of the Internet of Things, where your refrigerator, your house, the thermostat uh, in, uh, in your house uh, are going to be connected to the Internet. So and what this means is that we're, we're vulnerable if there isn't good security in those systems. And what we've seen over the past uh, several years are major corporations being hacked, uh, governments being hacked, data, personal data being stolen. There were something like 4 million 
uh, personal security records in the U.S. government that were uh, compromised. And so, in a sense, nothing is private. We're all exposed and we're all vulnerable. And personnel records, I didn't really appreciate till I read your book, was not only includes, of course, your contact information, but your references, any mental health issues you may have had, any background checks. So if so, you are really being set up to be blackmailed if you get personnel records stolen. Absolutely. As and, well as robbed. And and if you're, you know, working in the intelligence sector or if you're a State Department official or a Foreign Service officer in Canada and that data is compromised, there are lots of bad guys out there who can uh, take advantage of that, uh, not just to blackmail you, but to, uh, uh, if, if they know who your friends and relatives are through Facebook, for example, uh, it doesn't have to be personal records. There's a lot of public information now that people put on the web through, through Facebook, for example, uh, through you know, various kinds of social media, social inter, uh, interactions that, uh, that take place online. And, uh, you know, again, there have been well-publicized cases of, you know, movie stars, for example, having personal photos stolen and made public. And beyond the criminal or the incriminating, there's also, this is how governments are closing down human rights groups and, and activists and monitoring those people as well. That's right. I mean, in, in the old days, authoritarian regimes could... Uh, would try to go after human rights activists, those uh, who were challenging the regime within their own borders. Now, with the internet, they can go after human rights activists and, and others who are living outside their borders because we're in a borderless world when it comes to the exchange of information and data. And so a human rights activist, let's say, in Canada, who is challenging the Iranian regime, uh, is is potentially a target and is likely to be a target if uh, if they're at odds with that government. What other things can we build in or can we do that will protect us? Changing your password regularly, making sure that you're not going to websites that could uh, compromise your data, being careful when you're using a browser to make sure that you're using uh, security protocols that are available on the browser so that you're setting your own security at a, at a high level. So this being, being careful about what you put online, you know, even if it's on Facebook, you know, exercising uh, self-censorship. I wouldn't say take it to extremes because, you know, quite frankly, most of us really aren't targets of, of governments or, or surveillance. Generally, the big corporations are investing a lot into security. But when it comes to those, you know, apps that you download onto your mobile phone, you know, uh, whether it's to play games or uh, to, you know, access news sites or monitor your health, the security in some of those systems is not very good. And, um, and the reason for that is that security is expensive. And for somebody developing a new app, uh, a software company, uh, you know, a startup, the proverbial startup. Competitive uh, market. It's a very competitive market and they don't want to invest in security. And, and so I think, you know, what we need to do in, in some ways is to start moving into a world, you know, particularly as we move into the Internet of Things, you know, where 
not so much you know the app on your watch that's monitoring your heartbeat, but uh, you know the app that's running your car and giving you uh, GPS and perhaps taking control of your car. Uh, you know, uh, driverless cars uh, are not that far off, um, and it's going to be important to have you know what the the same kind of uh, shall we say uh, regulations that we have, uh, you know, when you buy an electrical appliance, there's an underwriters association that has, uh, has uh, ensured that, you know, when you plug in that, that new uh, lamp that you just bought, uh, uh, you're not going to get electrocuted because it meets uh, certain standards of, uh, of, uh, of wiring and security in terms of the hardware. Well, we also need that now for our software. We do need standards. We need the industry to monitor itself, uh, to you know, give that good seal of approval, and uh, you know, quite frankly, insurance companies because they're they're issues of liability, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, insurance companies have a much bigger role to play in uh, you know the the market for uh, for new software, uh, uh, and you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, as whether it's your car, your refrigerator, you know, particularly if you're away and you're monitoring your your home uh, and and the, the heating level and okay. the furnace through uh, through uh, uh, you know remote software, that there's a very high standard of security there uh, because uh, you know if uh, if that software is compromised and let's say somebody gets access to uh, <laughs> to the register in your home and uh, turns off the heat or, or turns cranks up the furnace, uh, you're going to be seeing some very interesting lawsuits coming down the pike uh, because of, of that software being compromised. One of the things I think is interesting about what you're suggesting is that uh, although we're, it's sort of up to us to protect our own identity and if we get our identity thefts, people just sort of say, oh, too bad. Or if you're stalked by somebody, oh, too bad. Uh, and yet, with the Internet of Things, and as you say, the possibility of insurance companies coming into these uh, situations, is that going to be, is it going to be that we're our worry about our things rather than ourselves, which is going to perhaps provide more security in the future? It's going to be, it's going to be both because, you know, there are going to be multiple points of vulnerability when it comes to the Internet of Things. Somebody who's really smart can actually start, if, if they want to hack into those systems, to... Uh, monitor everything we're doing and when we're doing it, right? And, you know, when you set your mobile phone and put the alarm on it, you know, potentially that's a point of access for somebody else to know what time you go to bed at night and what time you wake up in the morning. And that's only going to get worse, if you want to put it in those terms, if they know what time you put the lights on in your house and turn them off when you go away because you've turned the furnace down. This is you're going to driving, be bad for rich you're, people. You're, 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 yes, it's going to be very bad for rich people, but it's also going to be bad for, for all of us because we're fast moving into that world. And, um, you know, some people, I think, take the view, I don't care, I'm not that important, nobody's going to be watching me. Potentially, we're all vulnerable. And there's the larger, you know, airplane safety, nuclear exactly. industry safety, maritime exactly. safety. Exactly. I mean, so safety, safety. Even if you're a dull little nobody, that's right. That's right. which we all want to be on the that's internet, right. um, our, our infrastructure is not yeah. safe.
exactly. traffic signals, all those things. Exactly, yeah. and it's all it's all run through the internet. So, so uh, you know, governments, big corporations, are certainly aware of these risks. They're investing huge sums into security, uh, but at the same time, you know, it's not perfect. You know, governments that are going to go to war against each other or are at war against each other are going to be, you know, hacking into the critical infrastructure of their enemies or their adversaries. Even terrorist groups like ISIS are, are hiring very smart people to, uh, uh, you know, launch attacks against uh, their their enemies. Um, and and so uh, uh, the, the World Wide Web, the Internet, is becoming a, uh, a battlefield uh, for governments. You know, the internet is, is simply a system for exchanging data, right? It's a, it's a transmission belt for bits and bytes of well, data. Except as you said in your book, you know, it goes from being, it's no longer a communications device, which is exactly, how it started. Exactly, it's, it's more than just communications. Um, when it comes to the governance of the internet, that's where the UN can play a critical role in, in helping, as it has done with arms control treaties, for example. We're not at that stage yet, right? Uh, but, but at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, the, the UN is the place to go to, to set, uh, you know, norms for what you would call prudential state behavior. Uh, right now, there is a, uh, uh, a group of uh, experts uh, from a whole bunch of different countries who uh, uh, have been working on a set of, you know, what you would call cyber norms when it comes to warfare. Uh, essentially saying, you know, we shouldn't be using the internet as a battlefield to, uh, to harm civilians. So you, you don't attack the internet infrastructure of hospitals right? You don't attack the internet uh, infrastructure of critical systems like, you know, electrical power grids. The electricity doesn't just light our homes. It, you know, runs traffic lights. It, it, uh, it, you don't attack uh, the critical infrastructure of airports. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a slow process. It's a learning process. How often do you change your online password? I'm forced to do it <laughs> monthly. And that's uh, the least we should do, monthly. Uh, well, some people do it more regularly. Uh, we're probably going to be moving into, uh, because people tend to forget their passwords, and, and we're, we're, we're going to move into, you know, biometric uh, uh, forms of uh, verification. Uh, we, we already have that, you know, if you have a, an iPad, you can do it with your thumb that does verification. So it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just a password. Um, but I think, um, uh, you know, I think it's probably fair to say that, you know, we're all, uh, as we become more aware of uh, the risks uh, of being online, we, we take prudential measures to, uh, to uh, ensure our security and, uh, and, and safety. Um, uh, there's still a lot of people who don't, 
Um, and uh, well, I think part of the reason is when they say to you, "Make sure it's a real website." I have no idea whether it's a real website. It just looks—it all looks real to me. It's not like it's a cardboard chair versus a wooden chair that right. I can spot. Right. Fortunately, you know, a lot of the software now that's in your computer will will spot a, a phony website. Um, uh, you know, uh, browsers will do that, but um, it, it does come back to this fundamental principle that when we go online, when I send you an email, it's all on the basis of trust. I'm trusting that the technology works. I'm trusting that that the uh, uh, the email will go to your address and not somebody else. I'm trusting that when I get a response from you, that it's coming from you and not from somebody else. And trust is something that's, it's very hard to build, right? And most of us trust the internet, otherwise we wouldn't be using it. You know, we'd be throwing our cell phones uh, into the garbage bin uh, and we wouldn't be using our computers. So, you know, there's still, there's still a lot of trust in the internet, but as a result of highly publicized attacks that have taken place, as a result of Edward Snowden's revelations, we're less trusting of the internet. And this is a big problem for governments. It's a big problem for private corporations. It's a big problem for you and me. And we all have an interest in making sure that the internet is secure, stable, trustworthy, and a safe place to be. Finn Osler-Hamson is the co-author with Eric Jardine of Look Who's Watching, Surveillance, Treachery, and Trust Online. The book is published by CG, which is the Center for International Governance Innovation, and it's an independent, nonpartisan think tank on international governance. If you'd like to know more about the book or more about CG, you can find that at C-I-G-I-O-N-L-I-N-E, cgonline.org. I'm Mary Ambrose.